Ephesians chapter 1 to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Blessed is the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. In Christ, he chose us in him. He predestined us. He adopted us as sons through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. And it's in him that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness that he, what did he do? Richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will that he purposed in Christ to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Verse 11, in him we have also received an inheritance. 13, in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That your eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? And how powerful is his strength? Well, he exercised this power. How? In Christ by raising him from the dead, seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler, every title and authority given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And what else did he do? He subjected everything under his feet. And appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every possible way. Chapter 2, you were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. According to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in all of us, the disobedient, among them in our fleshly desires, we were children under wrath as others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us. In Christ Jesus, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's what? It's a gift from him, not from works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead before time for us to do. Verse 11, so then remember that at one time you were once Gentiles, children of darkness, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, walking in darkness, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, you, without Christ, you were without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away, you've been brought near by, by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. He tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, in himself, one new man, he put the hostility to death. He came and he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, 
We have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're fellow citizens with the saints. You're members of God's household. You're built on the foundation of all of the apostles and their teachings and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. It's in him the whole building being put together grows into a body. It's in the Lord. It's in him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. I'm going to keep going because the word of God preaches so beautifully. It's God's grace in chapter 3 that has been made known to the people. By the spirit, you're now co-heirs. Apart from Christ, nothing. With Christ, you're now co-heirs. You're members of the same body. You're now partners in what? Paul says, in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In this gospel, the grace that was given to you to proclaim to all people incalculable riches of Christ. The grace that shed light for all about the administration of the mystery. The mystery that has been hidden for ages in God who created all things. God now in his wonderful, beautiful wisdom, he's made known to the church according to his internal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12 of chapter 3, in him we have boldness and we have confidence through faith in him. And because of all of that, Paul goes on and he says, I kneel before the Father, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the Holy Spirit. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. To know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled, hear this, with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we seek or all that we ask according to the power that works now in us, to him glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4. This is your first time welcome. We preach the Bible here. I will explain, but this is explaining right here. Chapter 4. I urge you, Paul urges you to live worthy of the calling that you've received. How? With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through, through the bond of peace. There's one body. There's one Spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who's above all and in all and through all. Now grace, which has been given to you, is Christ's gift to you. He himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Why? So that we would grow in maturity. No longer little children tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in Christ from him, the whole body is fitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore, you're no longer to live as Gentiles live, darkened in your understanding, excluded from the life of God. 
Because of this one-time ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became calloused. They gave themselves over to sexual impurity. The truth, Paul says in verse 21 of chapter 4, the truth is in Jesus. Take off your former way of life, the old that is corrupted by deceitful, deceitful desires. Put on your now new self in Christ, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Put away all lies. Speak the truth to one another in their neighbors. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he has to do honest work with his hands. He has something to share with anyone in need. There's no foul language should come from your mouth, only what is good and building up. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Why? As God forgave you in Christ. Be imitators of God. Walk in love. Christ also loved himself and he gave himself for us. God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Don't become their partners. We were once in darkness, but now you're in the light in the Lord. Live as children of this light. The fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Don't participate in any of the fruitless works of darkness. And he says, get up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time. The days are what? Evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be, spill, be filled by the Spirit. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Church, uh, now as the church submits to Christ, also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. Make her holy, cleansing her with washing of water by the word. Husbands are to love their wives as their own Bodies, each one of you to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord, honor your father and mother. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. Slaves, obey human masters with fear and trembling as you would Christ. Serve with a good attitude to the Lord. Whatever each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way without threatening them because you know that both of their master and yours is in heaven. There is no favoritism with him. Chapter 6, verse 10. In light of all of this, finally be strengthened by the Lord, by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against all of the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this dark, against this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist and righteousness like armor on your chest. This is the reading of God's word. This entire book from cover to cover. This is just a small snippet that I just paraphrased, if you will. This entire book from cover to cover, it points us to a hero. 
Paul's entire life mission after he met Jesus was to point people to the hero. That's it. In life or death, he was going to make this known that his mission was to know Jesus and to know the power of his resurrection. And he wanted all of Jesus. He went hard after Jesus. He threw in the towel on this world because he knew everything he needed was in Christ. Find Philippians in another letter. He says to live as Christ and to die as gain. Basically means if I'm breathing, I'm going to point people to King Jesus. And if they kill me for doing that, then that's my gain because I get to go be home with Jesus. And Paul learned what it meant to regularly put off and to put on what it meant to proclaim this good news of the gospel to himself and to others and to turn from his sin and now turn back to Jesus. Can you imagine living this life? Like how, how freeing it would be. We're wrapping up Ephesians in a few weeks. So again, if this is your first time, I just did a six-month series in 10, 12 minutes. But I want you to understand something. Paul's aim here is to point us to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he gave his life, Jesus, for us. And now Paul says, hey, I'm, I'm rejoicing in those sufferings. I'm giving my life over to this mission. How freeing he was. He was in prison writing this letter. He was in prison when he wrote Philippians. How freeing our life would be. We'd be free from self-hatred. Why? Because you know you are forgiven and washed clean through Jesus. The truth is you are loved and adopted by the Father who loves you immensely. When we live in this freedom, we'd be free from the chaos and the anxiety of this world. Why? Because you know that God is sovereign. And he's in control. And one day all things will be restored by God in Christ. We'd be free from seeking man's approval. Always worried about what people think of us. Why? Because you know that in Christ you're approved. You're now co-heirs with Jesus because Jesus actually performed on your behalf. You'd be free from the bondage of sin because you know that Jesus really does break the chains and the strongholds of it. He's delivered you from sin's power in Christ and he's given you his spirit to now fight the enemy. We'd be free from the enemy's lies. I know that. We walk in that freedom because we'd be free from those. Those lousy, terrible lies that you hear because you know that Jesus actually crushes the head of the serpent. Like he actually defeated death. And there will be a day where he comes back, Lord willing, soon. Where he takes all of our tears, turns them into rejoicing because we've been, we can rejoice because we're made to be with our creator and one day we will be. You can be free from those lies. Family, this is the life the believer actually has. You can actually walk away today with this truth that when you are in Christ, you are free to live as Paul says. You are free to walk worthy of this calling all throughout this letter in Ephesians. This is the life we have, believer, in Jesus. Now here's why all of that is important for you and I this morning. It's important because we're living in the already, not yet. Last week, Pastor Ryan came and he talked about uh, how we're living in this already, not, wet, not yet. Meaning Jesus has conquered the grave. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Like the, the war is over. He's won 
the war. And we're just kind of in this mop-up battle, if you will. I was a uh, firefighter for a little bit and did uh, wildland stuff in, uh, out in West Texas. And a lot of times you just kind of let the fire go. Uh, and then uh, forestry service would come and they dump all this water and this fire suppressant on it. And you're like, well, we can see the, the war, if you will, has been won. Now our job is just to come and mop up. We're just going to take care of these little pockets of fire. But the fire's out. And that's what our job is here right now on this earth. The war has been won. We're just fighting these little battles. And so we find ourselves uh, standing in the victory of Christ because the war's already been won. But until the hero returns, until he comes back and he actually tramples every rule and authority and enemy and power, until he comes back and he makes all things new, we find ourselves in this not yet. Already won, but not yet. That not yet's this broken world. There's a battle. This is why this is important for you. There's a battle for your soul right now. Right now, there is a battle going on for your soul. And the father of lies would want nothing more than to, to convince people and walk around as if he's won the war. How does he do that? Well, he's constantly leading people into darkness, one lie at a time. For his purpose, the father of lies, as Jesus calls him, is to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. That's it. That's the enemy that we are battling right now. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're going to live a life worthy of this calling that Paul is talking about, if we're going to live a life in this freedom that Paul was experiencing and he wants so badly. I mean, I spent 12 minutes of my opening of just reading this letter so saturated of being in Jesus. He wants his readers to walk in this freedom in the here and now. Already won. He's not yet come back. But you can have this freedom now. And as he always does, Paul, he gives us what we need. He equips us for this battle. Here's three things I want us to see in order that we might be ready to fight. If we're going to stand firm. If we're going to do this. If we're going to fight this battle. Here's three things that Paul gives us. Verse 13 of chapter 6. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore. Number one, stand firm in Christ. Three times, stand against. Then he says, take your stand, followed by stand therefore. Again, we're not fighting for victory. Christian brother and sister, you are fighting from victory. The victory that Christ has already won on our behalf. However, that does not mean that we can just sit back and coast in life. You can't just say, well, God's already won, so pfft, everybody to each his own. We're just going to do our own thing. God's sovereign and he's in control. Yeah, absolutely. But you're going to get devoured in this world. Because why? The father of the lies comes to still and kill and destroy and he is really good at it. Paul says, be prepared. Hold your ground. Don't stand on your own strength. What does he say? Stand in Jesus. Now, I think the temptation for each of us, if we really believe 
that this already not yet, that Jesus has already won. The temptation for us is that we could just sit back, kind of like I said, and we're just going to waste our time. A few weeks ago, not be wise merchants, right? Make the most of every opportunity. Your temptation is just going to be to waste it. You're not going to be a wise merchant. You're not going to buy up all the time that you have with your kids. You're not going to buy up all the time that you have with your coworkers and your spouses. There's going to be this temptation if you're like, oh, God already won, so whatever happens, happens. The temptation to be too lazy. The temptation to not live our lives worthy of this calling. I got my free pass to heaven. I said this prayer when I was six. Look, still got the card. I'm going. Wasting your life away. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, remember the call. The call is to point people to the hero. And that includes each of us, brother and sister in Christ this morning. That includes each of us ourselves. So you fight daily by taking your eyes off of yourself. Off of yourself. It's no longer the pursuit of uh, Cody's happiness. It's no longer the pursuit of Jeff's happiness. It's no longer the pursuit of James's kingdom. It's no longer the pursuit of Jimbo's kingdom. It is no longer the pursuit of ourselves. Over and over again, it's put off and put on Jesus. Take your eyes off of yourself and put them on Jesus and be united to, cling to Jesus. Off of yourself Take, off your, the eye, take your eyes off of yourself and put them on Jesus. And all throughout his letter, he's reminded us of what happens when we don't stand firm in Christ. We see things like we live as children of darkness. Let me just throw this out there. The temptations of our fleshly desires will always lead you to death. Father of lies, still kill and destroy. None of that sounds good to me. Stealing, we teach our kids not to steal. Killing, I hope we teach our kids not to kill. Destroy, they destroy their rooms weekly, but I hope we're still teaching our kids what it means not to destroy. If we will teach our kids that that's bad, why do we as believers think that the father of lies has anything better to offer us as adults? Still kill and destroy. Hear this beautiful truth this morning, though. When you think about this temptation, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond. Now, now hear that. He will not let you. He will not allow you to be tempted. Who's tempting Father of lies. God's faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That doesn't mean you're Superman. Here's the catch. But with the temptation, he's always, he will also provide what? The way out. Newsflash, you're not the way out of your temptation. It will always lead to death. The enemy tempts but the Father, through the work of His Son, He gives you His Spirit to fight any and all temptation. And it's in His power and strength, not your own. Just, again, a side note, temptation's not the sin. Not resisting temptation or giving in to that temptation is when it becomes a sin. That's what's known, as Paul says, grieving the Holy Spirit. It's putting yourself, putting on yourself, and it's not standing firm in 
Jesus. Paul says, stand firm in all things. Quit flirting with sin. Flee from sin. Walk worthy of the calling that you've been given. Walk in light, not darkness. And as you stand firm, as you stand firm in Christ, you can resist the schemes of the enemy. You can fight the lies of Satan with the truth of the gospel. Verse 14, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Now, let's be very clear. We're, we're talking about warfare here. We're not talking about waking up in the morning and uh, walking to get coffee and it's dark and you stub your toe and you're like, oh gosh, Satan's just out to get me today. No, you just ran into the coffee table. You just ran into the coffee table. I don't think there's a demon hiding behind the coffee table that made you stub your toe. We're talking about warfare here. We're talking about these little whispers of lies that tell you you're unworthy, you're not lovable, you are too far gone from God's grace, and these little whispers that eventually turn into shouts. And he is so good. Why? Father of lies, still kill and destroy. And he says to be equipped for battle, we need to actually put on the truth of Jesus. Remember, Yes, Paul is in prison and he's looking at this Roman guard, right, as he's writing this. So as he talks about warfare and he's talking about putting on the wardrobe, if you will, to go to battle. What Paul probably had in mind wasn't the men who put him in behind the bars. Probably wasn't the Roman guard. It was his Lord Jesus. Isaiah 42, verse 13, the Lord advances. Now this is the God I serve. The God of the Bible is not some... He's a warrior. He's fierce. He's gentle and lowly, full of humility, took on the form of a bondservant. Yes, but this is the God of the Bible. The Lord advances like a warrior. He stirs up his zeal like a soldier. He shouts, he roars aloud, he prevails over his enemies. I think that's what Paul had in mind as he's writing this letter and saying, let's Let's go to war. Let's go to battle right now. Jesus has already won. I can fight in that victory, but today I'm going to put on Jesus. Or maybe Isaiah 59. Indeed, the Lord's arm, it's not too weak to save, and his ear is not too deaf to hear, but your iniquities, Isaiah, God speaking, talking about us, are his people. Your iniquities are separating you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips, remember, belt of truth, hear me. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongues mutter injustice. No one makes claims justly. No one pleads honestly. They trust in empty and worthless words. They conceive trouble and give birth to iniquity. Sounds like the father of lies that you put your hope in. Continue on. Truth is missing and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw this warrior, saw. He looked and he saw that there was no justice and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So what did he do? His own arm brought salvation. His own righteousness supported and he put on righteousness as body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. 
when there was no one standing for the truth, when everyone lived for these lies, when all of our hands were covered with sin and blood, God came to us through truth. Now hear me on this. Jesus, our warrior king, doesn't just put on this belt of truth and come to us. He is the truth. John 14, in his own words, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Steal, kill, destroy. And King Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. That's why Paul, over and over again, he says, you have heard about this gospel of truth. His name is Jesus, so put him on. Stand firm and put on Jesus. And I love that he uses this imagery, right, with this armor. It's a powerful thing for his readers. It's not, this belt of truth is not some little cloth linen uh, or belt holding up their britches, if you will. Like this, think of this as this thick leather apron-type belt that covers their entire lower part of the body in order, what? That their legs would be protected. Why? So that they can stand firm. The belt of truth, this thick leather that just protects their lower half of their body, from the attacks of the enemy. Their legs are protected and they're able to stand in Jesus. So how do we put on the truth of Jesus? Practically speaking, very simply, Paul tells us back in chapter four to speak the truth. Hey, be truthful with others. You ever find yourself in a little white lie and then like a couple weeks later you find yourself, you just keep lying about the same thing, you keep lying about the same thing, You wake up and you're like, man, I'm in this pit. It's exhausting. It's tiring. You might just be lying about your age. I don't know. I don't know what you're lying about, but I've been there. And you just one little thing after another, it just keeps digging this hole, keeps digging and digging. Paul says just be an honest person. Be an honest father. Be an honest Spouse, be an honest employee, be an honest employer, be marked with the truth because you have put on the truth. Just speak the truth. Second thing I think that where I want us to to truly dig in, be truthful with yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. As a Christian, you've been clothed with Jesus. So as the enemy whispers these lies, fight them with the truth. To be very clear, Lies are spiritual warfare. Demons love to whisper lies. I think in, in the last five years, six years of pastoral ministry, uh, I've done spiritual warfare counseling where we've come alongside people who are just, just beat up constantly with just these lies from the enemy attacking them to where they're just, just this cloud of depression and anxiety that every step that they take, that they just feel led and all they hear are lies We give them the truth of Jesus and say, no, 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 brother and sister, you're not unlovable, you're actually fully loved. You're not unworthy, you're actually clothed with Jesus' holiness. You're valuable, you're made in his image. You're not enough. Truth is, you're redeemed and now God's inheritance. You're always going to be enslaved to this sin. Jesus actually broke your bondage. You are his. 
And nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Because we know Jesus is true and he brings truth. And my prayer this week is that you walk in the beauty of the good news of Jesus. That you are loved, pursued, wooed, cared for by the Father who loves you. Walk in that freedom. Walk in that light. Live out of your new identity and may you find joy and peace this week. Hey, the lies that you hear don't define you. Jesus does. And then if I can just say that, maybe a little bit more boldly here, the reason we have a prayer team and a ministry time is I know you walk through in through those doors. I think we'd all, this is a safe place. I think you're lying if you walk through those doors on cloud nine saying, dude, I am rocking it and killing it right now in life. Maybe you are, but I heard a pastor, a wise pastor once say, you either are coming out of a season uh, of darkness, of suffering, you're walking, uh, you're in a season of suffering, or you're walking headlong into it. We live in a broken world. That, I mean, that's the world we live in. If that's you and you walk through those doors every Sunday, the reason we have a prayer team is to pray that those lies off of you. In the name of Jesus, that we, that we would pray, I don't have some superpower, but I've got the Holy Spirit. And if I read this correctly, then we all as brothers and sisters have access to the fullness of God, to know him and the power of his resurrection. Stand firm in Christ, put on the truth of the gospel, and lastly, Put on the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness like armor on your chest. Verse 14 says, Jesus is our righteousness. Now I love this because this basically just wraps up any any person in here that says, I'm killing it, I'm rocking it. You're never going to be able to stand on your own strength. The enemy is great at convincing us, though, that we can be lone rangers. I've got this. I don't need the church. I don't need this. Man, I, I, I've got this. That you can do things on your own, that you don't need your brothers and sisters, that you don't need Jesus. You're clothed by yourself. And when that happens, and you don't have that leather protection, that belt of truth, the truth of who you are now in Christ, don't forget who you were before. When you don't have that, your legs will get knocked out from underneath you. You're open to deception, to pride. You're, uh, you will be exposed to more schemes by the enemy if you don't put on Jesus and his righteousness of what makes you actually clean. And Paul knew this well. He knows that his heart is deceptive. He knew that. He knew that his pride will convince him that he's actually enough. Paul, you can do this. You can do this. But when he met Jesus, he realized what Isaiah says, all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And I know he knows that because Philippians chapter 3, he says, but everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness from my own, from the law of, of I can do this, I've got this, I can, I can make myself right, not having that, but having a righteousness through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith in the true hero. And when you're united 
to Jesus, when the gospel actually captures your heart and you've been made new, it's then that your entire being, family, has been put, you have now put on his perfect righteousness. Because of that, all of your guilt, all of your shame, your pride, every bit of your, uh, your own effort, things that make you look good, striving to earn something that can never be earned, all of that is now covered as you put on his righteousness. Correction, as he puts his righteousness on you. You're covered. And when you're covered in his righteousness, you can breathe in that, that grace and that truth and that beauty and that freedom that you're approved, your sin has been forgiven. You can stand firm in his truth and his righteousness. You can fight the enemy with the truth and the righteousness of King Jesus. Father, I pray for... Um, this morning, I pray that as we maybe just pause and consider where we're at in life, where we're at with you, I know that there's brothers and sisters in here who are suffering, maybe that's constant sickness, maybe they're hearing whispers for the first time, or maybe those whispers have turned into shouts. They can't seem to move forward. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would draw near to them. You would use men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, to help them break free of those lies. That we, Grace Church Alito, wouldn't walk in the fullness of of my voice. We wouldn't walk in the fullness of our own doing. We wouldn't walk in the fullness of even how well we represent this community, but we would walk fullness with the full we would walk in the fullness of you, God. And we need you, Lord. We need you to break the bondage of sin, the things that we feel nobody knows. Nobody knows about, and if somebody did know about it, the shame we hear, gosh, I just think about this. We hide sin or our suffering because we're worried about what other people think, like how manipulative the enemy is. So many lies in that. That believer, you can't go before God. He doesn't love you because you still do this sin every day. You can't break free of this sin. And then at the same time, another little demon just whispers to you and says, you can't let anybody in because if anybody actually knows how dirty you are, they will look at you weird. They will laugh at you. Nobody struggles with this sin except for you. And before long, we just find ourselves in this pit. God, you came to set the captive free. Would you break chains this morning? Would you heal marriages? Would you help initiate conversations that need to take place? In all humility, we come before you. I beg you to do what only you can do. I can get us, I can get us to, to the word. Father, I know that, that we just wish to see Jesus. Would we see Jesus this morning?
And would you have freedom to move in our hearts? In Jesus' name.